0: Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find of church, family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, that's kind of where we'll start today, but this is Jesus talking, and he says, he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. So over the past few weeks, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about being delivered from evil and how the way to be free from evil is to submit yourself to the Lord. To humble yourself. We've talked about temptation, about the, the God asks us to pray to not be led into it. And if we do encounter it, the way to get get over it is to flee, is to run, is to get out of that because we are all weak and we're all um, able to sin. And today we're going to talk about the, this first part in verse 10, where he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I would say that's kind of the reason that, that we, we felt like God has led us uh, to start this church. A um, little bit of backstory for those of you who don't know us. My wife is from the Bronx, and I am from Miami. And we really had no... Yeah, don't judge us, okay? <laughs> All right, we, we didn't want to be there for a reason in those places. We, we love a lot of people there, but we're glad we didn't live there. Um, part of our journey, we, we took a job in Virginia. We worked in Virginia in a church for a little while while I got my master's degree and, and continued my studies in um, church history. We helped a friend of ours plan a church out in Missouri. Um, so we were there for about six Him, We ran his youth and his kids ministry, and then we started a satellite campus in a, in a real small town out in the middle of nowhere in Missouri. I mean, it was awesome. People were cooking squirrel and bringing it to us. Now you may say, well, that's that's normal, Chris, but not for me. you know, I, I had never like, they were like, it's a deep-fried squirrel. It's delicious. and And it was okay, you know, I don't know if it was delicious, but but we love the people and just uh, the experiences where God has led us. but but during that time, we had um, I would taken some classes on church planning. I, I had learned that 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 planning a church is one of the most effective ways to reach lost people. And um, so we had prayed and we had spent uh, many years in prayer. It wasn't like a one night thing. We're like, hey, let's just move to South Carolina. Um, probably since the, you know, for 10 years before we moved here, we were praying and, and saying, God, is this what you really want? Is this what you really have for us? Um, when we were in Missouri, um, it was things were good there. My job was good. I kept getting promoted. In fact, when, I, when we were leaving to come over here, and I went in to meet with our superintendent, and I wanted to tell him because he had kind of liked me a little bit, and so I went in to talk to him, and I said, um, I was gonna tell him we're leaving, and he, he sees me, he says, Chris, you're here. Great, I want to talk to you. I want to give you this school. We're building this brand new school. We want you to be the head principal. And I was like, well, actually, um, we, we think god has has something else for us, and part of that process is we we really feel like the world needs good churches. the world needs good places where where believers can gather and where where, where people that that don't have a church can find a church and um, so we prayed in fact once we we kind of felt that God wanted us to start a church, we had written down a list of of 10 or 12 things that we wanted to see in a city, like if we got to pick um, one of them, that it would be near a college, that it would be near a military base, that it would be in this part of the country. And we didn't know anything about this city or this county or this area. Um, And in doing this, like as we were talking to different, I called every church planning group probably in America. And I talked to their church planning people and I took thousands of dollars to go to different cities. They said, you wanna, here's $250,000 if you wanna go to Memphis. And we said, we don't wanna go to Memphis. That's not where God has called us to go. Um, but eventually God led us here to, to investigate this area. Um, the groups that were with the, the Ark and the Vineyard, they didn't have any churches in this area and they were wanting some to be started here. We prayed about it in 2015, I think. We took a trip out here um, over Christmas break with the school system, and we, it was so funny because we were thinking we were gonna be in, in Colombia, like we wanted to be in Columbia. And um, my wife was like, I never wanted to be over there. <laughs> she wanted to be over here. But um, we couldn't find a place for, for all of us to stay, and so we wound up staying in Lexington, right down the street and um, just checking out this area. And um, then when we moved here, we were, we were still thinking maybe we're gonna be over more in the Irmo side or in that side and, and nothing. We couldn't get a house, we couldn't get a location. And then finally, we just went and we prayed and um, we were like, God. I felt like God said it be. My wife was like, yeah, that's what I've been telling you here. This is where we, this is where we wanna be. Uh, one of the things we asked the Lord, we said, Lord, if this is really you, we need a job um, because I, I work full time and so I need a job. And so we got uh, two job offers on the same day. I flew out here for some interviews. They both offered me a job, a contract on our house before we left. And um, the day we were packing up the house to move, John and Jesse were over. Um, we hadn't had a contract. We tried to do a buy owner. I only went with a realtor. But the day we were leaving, we said, yeah. He said, can we look around? I was like, why not? My wife was like, oh, my gosh, it's a mess. There's this, I mean, it was destroyed. Moving is rough, all right? And um, he came in, and he offered us cash that day. So um, God has been so faithful. In fact, like two weeks or maybe three, four weeks before we were about to launch the church, we didn't have a location. We had a group of people, we had um, finances that God had provided, um, but it was about four weeks before we, go, we were able to start, before we could find a location, and we looked everywhere, and God gave us, um, we started in the Village Square Theater over there, which that was, uh, it was awesome, it was a blessing, but it was a challenge. God has been faithful every step of the way. And I'm looking forward. I know, I know we had COVID happen and, and our church, the face of our church has changed. Some people that were here are not here anymore. But last year was a good year. And I think this year is going to be an even better year. Amen. And so what, what do we, you know, when we say your will be done, we felt like this was God's will for us. That God had called my wife and I um, to give our lives for his church to give our lives for for a community in South Carolina, to to build a place where where his will could be done. And as we tried to discern his will, there were four things um, that kind of came to us. And like, so what did we want to accomplish? And so if this is your church, these are the four things, like broad things, that we, we feel like God wants us to accomplish um, the first one, if you turn to Matthew 22, verse 34. So we were saying, what's the first thing, the most important thing we want to accomplish? You see it on the screen, fall in love with Jesus. Well, how do we get there? In Matthew 34, I'm sorry, 22, verse 34, um, when the Pharisees had heard shut Jesus down, trying to catch him in a mistake, trying to find anything they could do to shut Jesus up. That's what's happening in this story. And so they, they, one of them in verse 35, a lawyer, God bless lawyers, but a lawyer came to him with a question. And he's trying to trick Jesus. He's trying to test him. And he said in verse 36, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And he, that's Jesus, said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So when we say we want people to fall in love with Jesus, we chose those words, and, and we really do mean that. Um, we've been a part of churches where we say we want people to know God. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about any other churches, but... But I think it's not just enough to know him. Even demons recognized him in the Gospels. They they knew who he was. And it's not just enough for you to have a, a mental understanding of who Jesus is. You need to love him. It says even the demons believed in him. And trembled. It's, it's not just enough to believe in him, but it's, it's to really love him. And so you say, well, how do you fall in love with Jesus? I can tell you, because he first loved us. And if this church, if I can do a good enough job to help you understand that in your darkest moments or in your brightest moments, like he loves you. He, he doesn't change. He's always faithful. He loves you deeply. And, and like I want you to know that and to feel that and to experience like the faithfulness of God. If you know that, you'll love him. When you know his love for you, when you know that the cross happened, you'll fall in love with him. And it's more than just having a, a mental understanding. But it's having a change in your heart. In John chapter 14, verse 15, if you want to flip over there, John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. See, this idea of loving Jesus uh, for a long time, I've said this before, but I read this verse that almost like Jesus was saying, like, if you loved me, you'd do it well, if you really love me, you wouldn't sin. If you really love me, you'd go to church. If you really love me, reading the Bible wouldn't be boring. But something clicked a few years ago as I was reading this and I began to understand it's, it's the opposite, it's like, if you really love him, your life changes naturally. If you're just trying to please him and earn his love, like, it won't work. But if you realize he loves you, you'll start to love him and then you'll find yourself obeying him. See, it's real easy to serve my, life, my wife when I realize I love her and I want to do these things. And he goes on to say in verse 16, he says, and I'll ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. It's this idea that that we realize he loves us. We start to love him. We start to obey out of our heart, not because we have to, because it's actually what we want to do. Like we want to get up and go to church and be with God's people. We want to read his word because maybe we'll grow closer to him because we love him. And then Jesus says, And then you get this other, this another, this helper, this spirit of God that God pours out into our heart that brings the love of God. And he will be with you forever to the end of time when time won't end all the way through till eternity. So the first thing that we want to do here is, is we want people in this community to fall in love with Jesus. And that starts by helping them know how much he loves them and showing God's love. The second thing, if we want to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, this is a description of the church, one of the first descriptions of Jesus' church, of Jesus' gathering And he says, and they, these are people that love Jesus, that have gathered together out of the world, that have decided that they want to center their lives on Jesus and they're doing it together. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We have a copy of the apostles' teaching in our hands or on our phones. To the fellowship. See, fellowship. This idea that we can't make it alone, that God's mission is bigger than one of us, it takes all of us, but to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. See, we want people not just to fall in love with Jesus, this helping, if it's not lakeside, that's okay. But if you are instrumental in finding, helping someone fall in love with Jesus and get a part of a church somewhere where they have a church family, where they can be devoted to the scriptures, be devoted to fellowship. Fellowship is important because that gives you a chance for help and to help. That gives you a chance to be prayed for and to pray for. That gives you a chance to have somebody that when you're struggling, you can be honest, and they're on the journey with you, and you can confess your sins, and they don't look at you in judgment, but they look at you with compassion because they know what it is to sin to and to fail God. And they can pray for you. To the breaking of bread, that's why we do the hangouts. We think that there's something special um, in eating together. That's why we talk about having meetups and having hangouts and, and, and trying to get with someone to share a meal. And the reason I think a meal is so powerful is because when you sit and eat with someone, you start to get to know them. You start to hear who they are and, and you can love them deeper, you can support them better, you can, you, you can, you can connect with them on some deeper level. I think it also talks about communion, but it also talks about believers living life together. We've been a part of churches, and I'm not pointing at any other church, but where I've sat in a row with someone that I didn't know their last name for six years. That's not family. That's That's not how the kingdom should be. We shouldn't be up in everything. But if you don't know their last name, if you if you don't know how many kids they have, if you don't know what their struggles are, how how can you pray for them? How can you love them? And to prayers. We do two seasons of prayer that we try to encourage people to come to, because I think prayer, the key, is you humble yourself. And there's power in humbling ourselves. We also pray at 9.30 every Sunday, and I would encourage you to come and to pray for your church. We we go in that room right there on the assembling ourselves. So we want people to fall in love with Jesus, to find a church family where the things like Acts 2.42 can happen. The next thing we can turn to first, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is a scripture that that became real in my life very soon after I became a Christian. See, I, when I was raised in church, um, I walked away from God for, a, for several years. I, I, I claimed to be an atheist, I would argue with Christians, make fun of them, and probably like pretty decently messed with people's faith. And I, I, I'm sorry that I did that. But one of the reasons that I did that is because I didn't understand this verse and the others like it. I didn't understand that in Jesus, there's not only forgiveness. See, I I got the forgiveness part. I knew that I could come to Jesus and he would forgive me for my sins, but it got really old. It got really old to be doing the same sin over and over again. And every day, like saying, God, forgive me. But then 10 seconds later, like doing the same thing and feeling like I was constantly disappointing him. But then I began to read in the scriptures after I came back to him that there's this power available. There's this transformation and if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm not perfect now, I still sin, but now I just have this little hope that God can change me, that, that what I was yesterday, he can make me different today. That the areas that were weak and broken, that they can be restored, that, that I don't have to struggle because not only is there forgiveness, but there's a new creation. There's a changed heart. There's a, there, there's a freedom from addiction and a, a freedom from, hate. change me from the inside out. We don't think you'll be perfect, but man, I want you to live in freedom. I don't want you to be struggling with the same thing for 30 years. I want you to find whatever help you need, whatever support you need to be changed, to be that new creation. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. All this is from God. Verse 18. We cannot change ourselves, but I have faith in Jesus that he can change anyone in this room, anyone in this county, and anyone in this world. That if you put your faith in Jesus, that his grace is big enough. That the same God who turned Paul from a murderer into a church planner is still God today. And that the most wicked people in our community, God can change them and save them and make them new. And that to those of us in here that battle with things... There's hope. There's freedom. It said, the old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ, again, not from us, not because of our effort, but through Christ, reconciled us to himself. And then then look at this. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation this picture that he changes us, he makes us new, he puts us back into relationship with God, that the relationship that was broken in Adam is restored in Jesus, and that you and me can know and love God and have his spirit flowing into our lives. But then that second part He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So it's not just his spirit flowing in, lost, the next person that's broken, the next person that doesn't think that God can't forgive, that their sin is too great, their temptation is too big, that God can't forgive and God can't change, that we can go in conjunction with his spirit and be a part of that reconciliation. Verse 19 It says that in Christ, God was reconciling or putting back the world to himself, fixing the relationship. In Christ, that's what God did. Those who are in Christ are reconciled. See, not counting their trespasses against them, forgiving them this message of forgiveness that we don't deserve, and then entrusting to us See, part of my, what I really feel like God has called me to do when I try to do the will of God for my life is to realize it's to us. It's not the pastor's job. It's believer's job to take this message of the gospel to everyone. In trusting, he trusts you. He trusts what he can do in you and the change he can bring in you entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Find a church family. Live in freedom. But this next point is to make a difference. And to me, that's what verse 20 is saying, is that we... We are ambassadors for Jesus, that the kingdom of God has these ambassadors, has these men and women that he's called to go out into this world and demonstrate and proclaim the kingdom of God. In verse 20, there's something in there, man. I want us to live this out like I want to live this out. If none of us do, I want to. It says, God making his appeal through us. This idea that that we are so close to Jesus, so reconciled to him, so submitted to him, that when we talk to people, it's like the spirit of God is speaking out of us. It says, we implore you, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God that we would be a part of that, that we could make God's appeal of salvation known to the lost people in Lexington, to the lost people around the world. I mean, we're only six years old and we're not the biggest, shiniest church, but we've sent two missionaries, one to Tanzania and one is in Japan. I would love us to send more. I would love us to have more people that are called to that. But some of us aren't called to Japan, or to Africa, or to South America, but all of us are called to be His ambassador, to proclaim the kingdom, to, to reach out to those people that are, have a broken relationship with God. I was thinking in worship, as I was just enjoying worship, I was enjoying listening to the people singing um, and worshiping God. But I was thinking about when I was a youth pastor in Miami and I just remember we had these youth nights where we would gather these kids and my wife would do worship and, um, with, with other people. And we would pull these kids off the street that had no concept of God and pull them right into church and then we'd go play basketball and football for another few hours. But I remember seeing this this group of kids, it was their first time there and worship was going on and probably 90% of the people, you could just tell they love God, they're grateful. These two new kids are sitting there in front of things. I didn't know these kids. But I just remembered how I remember walking up to them and saying, the only reason you can't worship now is because you're still dealing with the pain of your parents' divorce. Like, don't do that, all right? Don't lead with that. I don't know where that came from, but that just came out of my heart. I I wasn't planning on saying that. But these two kids looking at me and starting to cry and praying for them because of the pain that they were going through. These people had gone through something because their family had gotten divorced and they had an issue with God, they had a brokenness in their heart, but God still loved them. And even though they were in the midst of the church mocking and making fun of these other teenagers who were, who were singing praise to God, at that moment I was his ambassador. I don't even know why I said that. But I know my heart, I wasn't angry with them. I was angry for them. Because if you don't know God, if you can't worship Him, if you are in broken, if you have a broken relationship with Him, that's suffering. And Christ came to fix that. We want people to make a difference. The last scripture we'll go to is the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And this sums up what I, what I really believe, like I believe these verses with all of my heart. Verse 8, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. We don't earn anything. We're not special. Like it's grace that we're saved. It's because God loved us first. And when we realize that, we start to love him. By grace, we're saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. I didn't pray the right prayer or do the right thing. It was this thing that God did to save me. It was a gift, not a result of your works, so that no one can boast. None of us have anything to brag about. And many of us stop there. We stop there. But I think every time you read eight and nine, you should read ten. Room. We who have called on the name of Jesus are his workmanship, created new creations in Christ Jesus. God has done something in us for good works. There's a good work that God has for you. And it says that he prepared it, like he prepared these good works. He has it set up for for success. He knows who you are, he knows your flaws. He'll take a dummy like me with no like personal skills that will walk up to somebody and say, you're just messing around because you're dealing with your parents' divorce. And he'll say, hey, I can use that weirdo. And he'll take you who are probably better than me and use you for something else. It says, good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The church is at its greatest and our church is at its greatest when we learn the power of gathering together. And when I say the power of gathering, I'm talking Sunday mornings. And scattering when we can learn to gather, but then scatter where you go into your own world with your own neighbors and your own family and your own people you work with and, and make a difference in those areas. And I hope everybody knows what it is to love Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and then be able to make a difference. And you make a difference do what God wants you to do, when you're the type of person that God wants you to be, that we would impact more people in our community, that the people that are sitting here today, if your love for Jesus is not burning bright, man, I hope you remember he loves you anyway. He's crazy about you. He loves you. If if you don't have a church family, maybe you've been coming, but you haven't connected, I hope you would connect with people and and find a church family here. If you're battling with sin, I I hope you would live in freedom and come and talk with me and I can pray with you and lead you through some scriptures and, and lead you through some resources and then make a difference, that we'd make a difference together corporately and that we'd make a difference when we're scattered individually. So that's what we're trying to do here. I hope if this is your church, you can get behind those four things. And we could break down each of them over and over into what that means with Bible reading and taking the Scripture seriously. And, but those are the broad things that we're trying to accomplish. Would you, would you bow your heads, church, for a second? I'm just going to ask, is there anybody here that your love for Jesus has grown a little cold? Would you just put your hand up if your love for Jesus, your, your relationship with Him has grown stale. And I want you to remember He loves you, you to put your hand up. That he loves you and he wants love is immeasurable hear that you're not living in freedom. Maybe there's a sin, there's a thought pattern, there's something that you've allowed to get you off track. Would you put, if that's you, put your hand up. Well, I think it starts by the first two. Lord, you saw who raised their hands. I pray you would reveal the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ to them reveal the grace that they don't deserve, reveal how that when Jesus died on that cross, when he suffered and his blood was coming out, it was for the forgiveness of their sins and mine. And Lord, I pray you'd put them in a church family, connect them with people here at Lakeside or anywhere you want, where they could talk and they could be open and they could confess and they could ask for prayer and ask for help and be stirred up for good works like Hebrew says and then Lord your word says that those of us in Christ were new creations so Lord I pray the renewing power of the spirit of God would renew their hearts Lord and that you would change them and transform them and, and make them into the men and women you called them to be God God, not just forgiveness, but but transformation, that their, their eyes would be open, their ears would be open, and that their hearts would be quick to obey. For the rest of you, if anybody here would like to make a difference, I, I just challenge you to draw closer to Jesus. Dig into his word. Fellowship with other believers. And keep your eyes open. There might be somebody today that's in need. There might be somebody today that needs to hear God loves them or tomorrow. And just listen to the voice of the Spirit, listen to the people around you and do the good works that he created you for, and he created for you. Lord, we thank you for Lakeside Church. We thank you for... And bring food in and help with the kids and help with worship and move chairs and put up signs and invite people in and meet up with people and pray with people. and, And when they see someone lonely, they try to pull them into your body. I thank you for the last six years, Lord. God, may we be faithful in these next six years. May we be faithful to loving you. May we be faithful to your word. May we be faithful to the voice of your spirit. May may we love you, and God, may we love others. God, may we give and be generous to those in need. May we preach the gospel without fear. May we preach your word without holding back. God, help us to love the unlovable. God, to be a part of healing the broken. Lord, the reaching of the lost. God, would you just use us to reach the lost, to reach the people who are hurting and broken. God, would you use us? Would you send us? Would you bring them here and would you send us to them? May we keep loving you. May we remember how much you love us. And we may we be a family full of grace and mercy for each other and encouragement and correction and accountability and inspiration and all the things that a family should be. God, may we all live in freedom. And we get over things and, and leave sin behind and, and allow you to transform us, whether it's through confession or counsel, us to allow your spirit to work in us. And may we make a difference. May we do things that matter, things for eternity, things that you care about. In Jesus' name, amen. guys, I'm